Welcome to the Whiskey After Work podcast. This is where booze meets business. I'm Doug Shaw, owner of Peach State Business Brokers and Advisors. And I'm Melissa Hergert, owner of Brain Train Centers. We are serial entrepreneurs that love to learn from other successful professionals and love to drink whiskey. Hello, Justin. What the hell are you doing here again? It's me again. You know, we make it sound like we're a week apart, but I'll just let you guys in on a little secret. We don't wear the same clothes twice. We just record two episodes every time we do this. Yeah, now you get one drink in, Justin. Yes. There you go. Welcome to the West After Work Podcast, coming to you recorded live from the Two Wolf Studio. Are you going to insert like a wolf howling noise there? I don't know. Uh, you can probably find one. That's yeah, I can. I probably get a little button on the mixing board, do it myself. Yes, right here in beautiful downtown Marietta, Georgia. This is our permanent home. We don't have to pick our shit up and walk around and move now. Um, today's episode is sponsored by Brain Train Centers, Keystone Realty Group, Peach State Business Brokers and Advisors. Justin Hadley and whatever the hell he's doing these days, photography. And, you know, I think we'll just say that Clyde May, bourbon, whiskey, you guys do rye? Yeah, we do a rye. Rye. I brought a bottle. It's sitting yeah. back here. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Clyde May whiskey, uh, Konica Brands. Um, they're going to be our sponsor today, too. Because there's a lot of whiskey involved today, I want to remind everybody that opinions that are expressed on this show are the opinions of the idiot who says them. Which will be me, mostly. Yes. None of the companies, other people in the room, anybody else has anything to do with the moron who spews whatever it is you don't like. If you're easily offended, there's a lot of other podcasts out there you can listen to that probably won't offend you. Then again, they might. So... With that, that in mind, uh, we'll just move right on here, and uh, I'm going to make sure I pronounce this right. It's always a hard thing. Yeah, Scott Kinsbrunner. You got it. It's actually not that hard. No, if you really look at the spelling, it just sounds like it's spelled, so yeah, so pretty easy. Scott comes to us from Konica Brands. Um, I'm going to correct you, too. Kaneka. Kaneka. Yeah. So you had the name right. So what's the sausage called? Is it Kaneka sausage? sausage? Yep. Okay. So it's Kaneka sausage. We're Kaneka brands. Everything's based around the uh, Kaneka River in wow. Alabama. And that's where the distillery is. Because I got to so tell you, man. It all fits the, together. The Kaneka sausage? It's the best. Oh, man. There's yeah, nothing like best, it. Yeah. That, have you had it? I know nothing of Kaneka sausage. It's the best. You need to change that. Okay. You can get it at most grocery stores around here. Yeah, Publix for sure. And it's Walmart. It's or, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's great sausage. You can get giant packs of it at Costco now. And it's just fantastic. Just good smoked yeah. sausage. It used to be hard to get. Now it's um, it's easy to find now. So Okay. Yeah, multiple kinds. Really but good. No, no. No relation here. No relation at all, other than the Kaneka River and just the the county in the area where it's all from. So, which I guess is a connection, You're right? Fantastic. Yeah. It's a connection. It was just <laughs> there. It was there. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, or how we met to start. Born a small child. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, um, I've been in I like the second guy. jerk reference. <laughs> You miss a lot. I was about to go deep into yeah. it. I was like, ah, yeah, I better stay. Uh, right. Last one I dropped. Yeah, you, got your name, you got your name, ta- my name tattooed yeah. on your ass. Classic, classic. <laughs> well, so 
I've been in this industry for a while. I actually started, um, um, you know, I know you guys do a lot of shows on entrepreneurship and uh, my dad had his own business. My grandfather had his own business. My grandfather actually is a good story. He he actually started a heating and air conditioning supply business in um, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So about the 19, I'd say early 70s, moves the family, you know, down from New York, goes down to South Florida. They're living in an apartment complex. And uh, the, the air conditioning doesn't work in South Florida. Sweating there, you know what's off. My grandfather, who's always thinking about, you know, what the next step's going to be, after about three weeks of not being able to get parts for the air conditioner in this apartment complex, he finds out all the parts come from Atlanta. We're in South Florida. So he's like, wouldn't this be a great business just to have local air conditioning supplies? Bing. So he opens up an air conditioning, heating, and supply business. Runs that for 20-something years, sells it, and uh, my grandmother and himself got to uh, have a nice retirement. So, yeah, it was really good. So my dad, kind of the same way, doing that sort of thing, and uh, worked for them on and off. But I had a travel bug when I was young and uh, got into the airline industry um, out of high school. Um, When I say out of high school, I mean out of high school. So I left home. Um, I say I left home. My family actually left me. So that's how <laughs> bad of a kid I was. They actually took off to New Jersey from Fort Lauderdale. I, I tell the story how Who I Who the hell goes to the New Jersey I, from well, Fort Lauderdale? So there's a, there's a long story involved with that. And that gets to yeah. my dad and his uh, uh, nefarious uh, uh, jobs and things that he was doing. So anyway, he had a, he was in the horse uh, horse business, race horses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you look at you know harness racing up in New Jersey and oh, yeah. Canada and you know uh, uh, where else? Anyway, but the Northeast. So his business was better up there. They left South Florida, and um, I decided that you know what I'm seventeen year old kid living on the beach, New Jersey, Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. You guys weigh it out. Uh, you know, it just wasn't something that I thought would work for me. So anyway, uh, they kept telling me, hey, we're moving. We're moving. You got to get your crap out of the house, blah, blah, blah. Came home from school one day and there was a moving truck. Everything was gone. My room was exactly how it was for the last, you know, whatever, 10 years. And right then I was like, okay, it's, uh, I think it's time. I got to get out of here. So moved in with a, a friend of mine who was a little bit older. And my mom had to actually write over like a, uh, paperwork, making him my legal guardian. And, uh, yeah, had a good time for uh, a couple of years, uh, living down there, but the airline connection, um, I actually was working at an ice cream place as most, you know, young kids do. And, uh, the guy I was working with is sh- sharp dude, very, very sharp business guy, you know, uh, going into being a stockbroker and all that. He's like, Hey man, you know, you're living on your own now, you know, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't work at the ice cream place. He goes, you got to get a real job. So anyway, he kind of led me along, went down to Delta Airlines and uh, filled out an application. About two weeks later, he's like, hey, whatever happened with Delta Airlines? I'm like, what do you mean? They never called. He goes, dude, you can't just, it's a major corporation. They don't just call you back. You got to pursue them. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. I just turned 18, you know? And uh, he's like, yeah, let's go down there. Put on some nice clothes, go down there. And uh, yeah, they literally sat with the HR guy. He uh, put me on a plane that I think that was a Friday, put me on a plane the next Monday for an interview in Atlanta, got a job, worked for Delta Airlines. So I was a uh, trivia question for a while because I was the youngest employee in the Delta system uh, for, I think, almost two years. So What would you do for them? Uh, at first, I cleaned airplanes. That's uh, I don't know how to make that more romantic, but <laughs> that's what I did. Went through the cabin and cleaned up everybody's mess. So, But you know, for a kid at 18 years old, going from ice cream place to 
Fortune 500 company making at that time, this was 1986-ish. So I was making $45,000 or whatever. Damn. Yeah. So, you know, free flying benefits, insurance, all this stuff I had no clue about. So, yeah, it was great. It was uh, was awesome. Great time. And, uh, yeah, met my wife there, girlfriend at the time. We got married sometime later. And, uh, no, it was a great experience. Got to travel a lot and uh, started there and uh, ended up basically screwing that up because I was a young kid. I had to screw around and uh, they kept writing me up and I was doing stupid stuff and Ended up uh, doing a bunch of other stuff. Got into radio for a while. Was a disc jockey and uh, news director at a country station in uh, LaBelle, Florida. Uh, WVHG country, 92 country. So uh, It yeah. explains his absolute not fear doing this. Yeah. <laughs> he got yeah. behind that microphone and he was like, I got this. Yeah. Like I said, it was a, before though, I had a desk and you know, you had all your little, uh, your, yeah. your pots and mics and all that and stuff. Soundboard. So, yeah. And the, well, back in those days, everything was, uh, it was old school, yeah. you know, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. Did that for a little while. And, uh, um, right during that time I had bar backed. So I was like, I kind of dug the whole bar thing. And of course you hung, hung out in bars when yeah. I was young. So, um, decided as I got out of the radio thing because of, I mean, you guys can listen to my voice. I didn't have that, that deep radio voice like people wanted in the old days. Now nobody cares. But uh, in the old days, you had to have that perfect radio voice. So anyway, I sent a lot of tapes to people, never really got any action out of it and decided, you know what? Radio wasn't for me. I thought it was going to be like Wolfman Jack, play whatever you want and all that. But in the end, it's here's your wheel, here's your commercial breaks, here's where you play this song and that song, and A song, B song, C song. I was like, nah, this is not what I expected. I'm out. And uh, yeah, got, got into bartending at that point, um, basically. So got into bar back and played around a little bit, um, had a little accident. Somebody dropped a keg of beer on my foot. So um, I was injured. And during that time, decided that maybe I want to get back in the airline business. And got in with Piedmont Airlines, which was a fantastic airline. I don't know if you know I Piedmont. remember them, yeah. Yeah, so they were, um, they were based out of Charlotte. Wilmington, actually. Wilmington? Well, I-, I worked for them in Charlotte. So it was a North Carolina airline, but we had all Florida cities and worked in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, yeah, U.S. Air, um, the big monster came in, uh, Union House, and uh, bought out Piedmont and basically told all the people up in Pittsburgh and LaGuardia and all these places— Hey, if you want to go down to Florida, just bump these people out and take their job. So, yeah, that was kind of the end of that and uh, decided, you know what, maybe it's time to revisit the, the bar thing. So I started bar, ba- uh, bar backing, then bartending, moved here to Atlanta. And, um, yeah, my wife was at Delta. Like I said, I met, I met her at Delta. So we kind of reached a point where it was like, okay, if you're going to be in the airline business and I'm going to be in the airline business, we got a problem if something goes wrong. So she's like, you should probably do something else because she already had time and I was bouncing around. So I said, yeah, what do you think? You know, what should I do? She's like, well, we fly for free. If you get a job like at a hotel, we can stay for free. I'm like, that's ingenious. So I started bartending for uh, Sheridan for maybe eight years, eight and a half years in Sheridan. So got to travel, did all that, traveling around the world. And uh, basically your only spending was done on whatever you were drinking and eating and purchasing. So. Yeah, it was a good time. And uh, ended up uh, from the bartending gig, got on with, um, I keep pointing here, I don't know why, I got on with RNDC um, uh, in Atlanta. So I was uh, doing on-premise with RNDC for 
Oh, geez. Oh, uh, national distributors. Yeah, national. So RNC yeah, now so we, is national we have back some then. mutual friends, yeah, that friends yeah. from there. Yep, so. exactly. So I was there, and uh, you know, a couple of guys have been yeah. on your show. We all, I know a lot of these guys from from national, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, worked there on premise for close to nine years. And I was a a fine wine DM at uh, Atlanta Wholesale Wine, which was a kind of a division of National. They purchased the company, and I worked there for a little while. And then, uh, as you've heard, kind of my you know four minutes of uh, what I do is bounce around and back and forth. And I just didn't have a good feeling about you know that whole situation, and decided to look around. Ended up um, getting into the supplier side, so worked for a Bronco Wine Company, which is a, a big wine a wine company out of California. Went from there to another company called Shaw Ross managed uh, a crap load of brands and distributors uh, for Shaw Ross. So that was really good experience. And then I uh, decided to kind of, you know, ease my way into something a little bit lighter, not having as many states and distributors mm-hmm. and paperwork and all that. And uh, yeah, I ran into these guys at uh, Koneka Brands last year and loving it, man. It's just, uh, it, it's a, a great operation. I think there's, you know, we have f- uh, four brands now. Every brand has a story. And uh, I think, you know, there, there's potential for everything. We're small, but we keep getting bigger and what, bigger. What brands do you have other than Clyde May? So we do, um, I should pull bottles out of the bag here. So we have McConnell's, which is uh, Irish whiskey out of Belfast. We do a tequila called Prospero Tequila, which is a great tequila. And uh, we just picked up a vodka called Van Gogh. Van Gogh Vodka, if you've ever seen Van Gogh. Seen that, yeah. Yep. I actually used to sell it at National when I was there. Yep. So, yeah, so it all comes back around, you know. But yeah, so those are our, our brands that we have right Where's now. Where's Van so, Gogh out of? Holland. Oh. Yeah, a little Dutch uh, Dutch vodka. Yeah, that's also where my favorite vodka is from. <laughs> nice. Okay. Is that Kettle One's from there, right? Yeah. 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 Love yeah, Kettle One. Kettle's great, yeah. I used to sell Kettle, too. I'm not a big vodka guy, but for some reason or other, man, if I've got to have a, a dirty vodka martini, that's yeah, it. Kettle's, it's, Kettle's the one. Yeah, it's classic, no doubt. I mean, it's clean, easy drinking, and... Yeah, I'm, I've kind of gone away from the vodka thing. Now I'm pushing my way back into it a little bit. Yeah, it's just not. I'm a tequila guy. If I'm not drinking bourbon or scotch, I'm drinking yeah. tequila. Yeah, you and a lot of other people. So yeah, it's a big, big market. Yeah, no doubt. See, so right now, bourbon and tequila are the two biggest growth markets. So two biggest, you know, growth spirits. I think bourbon's getting to the. I think it's getting saturated. Well, it's been saturated. Craft beer, yeah. yeah, spirits. That's kind of what it's. And tequila is the same way, though. You know, you walk down to a retail uh-huh. store and you're walking, you know, 20 yards of tequila, 20 yards of bourbon. Yeah. Well, you see the, there's a lot of uh, celebrity, you know, yeah. tequilas now too. Yeah. That's the other piece. Yeah. And so, they try to hide it. You know, yeah. to- Dos Hombres and uh, what was it? George Clooney's got one. The- Casamigos, Casamigos, man. Yeah. That thing's huge. Yeah. They buy, go to Nashville down on Broadway. It's the only tequila you can get anymore. They've bought every bar up. Really? I mean, that's all they push is casamigos and it's george clooney i don't want to drink his shit <laughs> i'll tell you what though he's done a good job with the brand and that's oh he has if you can if you can find somebody like i used to sell cabo Waba. if you can find somebody like a yeah. sammy hagar from those days when he was one of the first like celebrities who really took ownership of the brand. george george Strait was one of them yeah, the musician too, yeah. was that's it right. codigo or Codigo? Codigo? Codigo. I don't know. Codigo. He's got a whole song about it. You know, he, he sings a song and it's a top 40 country song and it's promoting his tequila. I mean, yeah. <laughs> smart move. It's pretty right? good tequila. Though. It is good tequila, definitely. So, but yeah. So, um, yep. Happy right now to be, uh, you know, pimping uh, Clyde Mays. 
So we, we there's a lot of good things going on with Clyde Mays right now, which it, you know it's all about timing in in life with brands and stuff. And while this is a brand that's been around for a long time, it's actually you know there's a whole there's a whole long story to Clyde Mays. I don't know if you've heard the whole Clyde no, have Mays had story. It. We got time. Yeah, <laughs> we got nowhere to go, right? Sweet. But uh, yeah, so the Clyde Mays thing. Um, Basically, uh, the Conecuh Ridge, you know, so uh, there's an area right outside of uh, Troy, Alabama, okay? I say right outside, 20 minutes, probably north of Troy, and then maybe 40, 45 minutes, maybe south of Montgomery, called Union Springs. And that's where the family's from. During the 1940s, you know, Clyde grows up there, doesn't know. How, what are you doing? Union Springs in the 1940s, you're moonshining, right? So he came up as a young kid learning how to moonshine, but then World War II came calling, Went off to fight World War II as a 21, 22, 23-year-old kid. Uh, came back, I mean, Purple Heart, Medal of Honor, so, you know, decorated war hero. Comes back to, you know, the area, and now, you know, he's raising a family. And what does he know how to do? Moonshine. So, yeah, he's, he's moonshining, and uh, he becomes, you know, the top moonshiner in the area. So one of the things that he realized when, you know, he's shining back in those days was, you know, obviously it's unlike now. Everything was white lightning. There was no rick houses and barrel rooms. And, you know, you were lucky to have a barrel. And if you did have a barrel, the feds were always looking for you. And there was no time to really sit and age anything. So um, what he what he noticed was, hey, you know, he's over in Europe. He's supposed to have a brown spirit. It's not supposed to be a white spirit. You know, he sees all the brandies and cognacs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, this is uh, bourbon's supposed to be a brown spirit. So he sets his family on a mission to figure out a way that they can have a brown spirit without all the aging process. So, and I might have the story wrong here, but I'm pretty close. His wife comes up with the idea that, hey, I'm going to take green apples, I'm going to cook them up, cut them up and cook them, and then in the finished product, so it's not an apple whiskey, that's, I'm going to reach over, that's this one right here. So it's not an apple whiskey, it's a finished whiskey that what they did was they took the green apples, they macerated them in the tank, and got the color of the whiskey. So everybody was happy. We got the color. But, of course, the next step, as Clyde said, was how is this blank going to taste? You know what I mean? So they tasted it, and they were like, you know what? They were – it was fabulous. They are like, this is great. Basically, what you were getting was a little bit of a apple finish. Got to look, right? I'm going to pour a little bit too. I don't believe you. And you can say shit on our show. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm liable to go into my uh, foul language. We haven't. So. We no. We're we're good. We um, here. See, I'll, I'll again what I said. You know, anything we say and blah 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 blah. And besides, Kristen doesn't know how to edit out or bleep things yet. Nice, so okay, we just told okay. her don't even learn. So I will say, you know, <laughs> the idea behind this. So we call this um, Clyde May's original Alabama style whiskey. Now, is this a corn whiskey or what it's is it? A, it's a corn whiskey. So it's um, mash bill of 75% corn. Okay. And uh, so it's, it's a high rye mash bill. Mm-hmm. It's about 4% um, malted barley in there. But the idea of the Alabama style whiskey, this maybe is the one piece of the puzzle that's a little confusing because we don't do, I'll go through this whole story with, the, with this, with the, with the green apple, and then everybody thinks all our stuff is green apple flavored. None of it, like I said, is green apple flavored. It's just at this point, we're using an apple extract on the finished product just to almost give a nose of apple, you know? And it makes for great cocktails. It's very smooth, easy drinking, 85 proof, 
real, real nice. That is not what I was expecting. Nope. Pleasantly, not what I was expecting. Now, you guys source a lot of your whiskey. Are you, are you making this one? No. So that's another part of the uh-huh. story. Once again, you know, there's, this is a real brand. It's a real person. Um, it's a real family. But it's Alabama. So in Alabama, in, so Clyde died in, in 1990. His son, Kenny, is, you know, owed to his dad, wants to start a brand. He's like, oh, this should be no problem. You know, about 2000, 2001, I'm going to start my own whiskey. Great. Problem is, it's illegal to distill in Alabama. And it wasn't legal until 2015. So now you're talking about a decade of, you know, what do we do? So that's where MGP comes in. So yeah, we, we uh, I, I don't know the early history, but, you know, they got involved with uh, MGP before MGP was as big as they are now doing, you know, products for everybody. So it was a good thing. And uh, we have a good relationship with them. Um, you know, they get uh, availability to, you know, big whiskey brands and a lot of juice. And that's how we do a lot of our, um, our, we call our limited production stuff. You know, we'll get uh, an eight or a nine or a 10 year, uh, bourbon from Kentucky or from somewhere else, from Tennessee, wherever, well, not Tennessee, but from Kentucky. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bottle it. We'll, you know, do some things to it. Maybe we'll give it the Alabama style finish, or we'll just, you know, age it for another year or do some different things and, uh, you know, put it out there on the Clyde Mays name. But it's, a uh, everything right now is is coming around which is nice so it's legal now to distill in alabama um and when it became legal in 2015 2016 we started looking for property it all happened very very quick so they found some property they thought they were ready to go and then covid so everything went backwards during covid so now we start all over again we got about 75 acres of property we have a distillery that's ready to open may 1st so we're we're coming along. Like I see pictures of it weekly. We have people down there. We're hiring. Um, it, it's it's going to be fabulous. And the idea behind it is, obviously, initially, we still have a lot of juice that's, you know, three and four-year-old MGP juice. What my thought process is that what we hopefully will do is we take that juice down to Alabama, see how it ages down there, do some different finishing on it, and we can start putting out different things, you know, under the Clyde Mays Conecca Ridge distillery name so at the very at the very least we could say bottled and finished in troy alabama at conecuh ridge and then from there become a brand because they're they're uh planning on sourcing you know alabama grain and everything so oh wow yeah we're very very excited about it so this but this could mean that the whiskey is going to taste different too we've talked about that before and we've talked about distilleries where you know things change so down the line yeah we'll have uh, a different flavor profile so i just put a splash of ginger ale in that last little bit of that Alabama style whiskey. Oh man. It's with that apple finish. Yeah. It was really good. What's funny is, you know, the Alabama style. So once again, this is the only one out of, there's three whiskeys here and uh, I can reach around. I got another one, which is the one I brought last time was that six year. I said, I brought it last time, last time we talked. Um, so we have a one, uh, a one ten six year old one ten special reserve. And that was kind of our foray into we need something high proof. Now we've done a lot of high proof stuff, just limited stuff, but we wanted something high proof that was uh, which I don't have, was always in the portfolio, you know. So everybody was asking for high proof. You guys know how it is yep. now. Everybody wants high proof, high proof, high proof. So we added that to the portfolio. That's part of our core. So we go 85 Alabama style. We have a regular bourbon, which is 92. 
and that's uh, about 85% um, corn. The other thing too with like, you know, our mash bills, we are proprietary. We have proprietary mash bills at MGP. So they're not just, this isn't their random MGP mash bill that they just throw out there. I mean, these are our mash bills. So in theory, when you are distilling your own, you should be able to duplicate the yes, mash bill. Yes, that's yeah. the, exactly, exactly. So I mean, the bourbon is really specific. I mean, you know, 81.75 kind of stuff. So, so yeah. we've talked about MGP over several episodes, but uh, Midwest Grain Products, I believe. Grain is, Products Producers. Yeah, so. um, they're out of Indianapolis. They're probably the largest sourcing company for um, for whiskey for distill or you know for I say distilleries for brands that are starting up. But you guys were pretty early adopters of theirs. You're one of their first customers. Yeah, we're there in the beginning, definitely. So and yeah, we, it's you know once again back to the people who know whiskey. You know, obviously everybody wants a story. You got brands that have a true story. They have their own water sources, mm-hmm. this and that. That's all great. I mean, that's why these are sought-after whiskeys. But as we talked about, um, there's a lot of whiskey out there. And Midwest Grain Producers does a lot of these whiskeys on the shelves. Oh, so. I mean, you know, you think about Whistlepig that everybody just raves about. That's all MGP. Yep, exactly. There's a lot of MGP juice out there that people wouldn't know. And you tell them, and they're like, wow, I had no idea. Well, listen, I, I consider, like, we were talking about rye. So... I have a guy in Tennessee who uh, does some shows for me and different things like that. And he, you know, he pours everybody's stuff, you know, and every single time he brings people to my table. If I'm there when he's there, you got to taste this Clyde Mays rye, man. It's the best, you know, and it's MGP rye, but you know, it's Canadian rye sourced from the North, North, uh, Northwest and uh, some European rye. I mean, just MGP sources, great rye. And this is 95.5. And the way I look at this rye is, I do, once again, I come from on-premise, the restaurant side. And I always think that if you're doing a flight, if you're going into a a bar, restaurant, and you're doing a whiskey flight of rye, this to me would be a good starting point. Because I think scotch, like we were talking about scotch Mm. earlier. So people always, and I'm backtracking a little bit, but we got time, right? So. So, so people talk about scotch and they're, oh, I don't like scotch. Well, what have you tried? Lagavulin, Bowmore. Oh. It's like, well, no wonder you don't like scotch. You can't start way up here. You got to start somewhere. So I think with rye, that's what happens with rye too. I think people go to the real big spicy ryes. I think this one is a perfect starting point to understand what rye is supposed to taste like. And then you can kind of play it. Oh, there, see, you know? I think right now, I think rye is the most exciting whiskey category right now because people are really starting to experiment with it and there's some rise out there right now that are just mind blowing. Oh, fantastic. Have you have you had the uh, uncle nearest? Yeah, this one. No. <laughs> See, I'm pulling him. This is great. So he it's like a segue. Yeah. So uh we did once again, we had this rye in our portfolio for a while. We decided to do a cash strength rye. So we did you're going to be drinking a lot here. We did a 9-year cash strength rye and what we did was to to try to figure out you know something different to do with it. We finished it, imbibed it with um, uh, French oak, American oak, and cherry oak. So it's a unique sort of finish, and basically what you're you're soaking you know on staves on the finish, basically. Yeah. So I think this is fabulous. We've won some awards. Uh, Maxim Magazine gave us a good rating on it, and uh, we've done very well with it. And it's a limited production. Once it's gone, it's gone. It's got a crazy nose um, on it. It's too. unbelievable. Yeah. 
I get, you know, the whole pecan thing, French oak, American oak, I get that pecan just like, or sorry, I say pecan, cherry. I get that cherry note like in my face. Like I just, that's what hits me Ooh. with this whiskey. It's got that rye spice. Yeah. It's good spice to it. It's big and bold. And like I said, it's got a finish that's very, got, very unique. It's got a like a, like a fruit, almost like a fruit forward on it. Like a, it's hard to explain. That's, I think that's what's so great about it. You me. get a little bit of honey on there too. Mm. Yeah. I got that too. Like you said, it's a, it's a, almost like a soft white pepper and honey and just, there's so much going on in the finish. You just want, you, you want to drink more. You're like, let me try this again. Again, it's a really again. nice honey. What, um, to it too. what kind of an old fashioned Manhattan does this make? Have you tried it? After I knock the microphone down. Um, I've been trying it in a lot of different things. So what's funny is I, I saw this recipe and somebody was doing like splits, like half rye, half bourbon, just regular, you know, straight bourbons. Uh-huh. So I was mixing this and doing some different things with it, but straight up, yeah, I mean, I love it. I love it straight on the rock, splash of water, but also um, Manhattan-wise, um, I don't know. I, I need to get more into like making cocktails at home. I mean, my wife likes old fashions. It seems like we make old fashions all the time. This is too strong for her. So, you know, we're pretty much rolling with uh, the regular bourbon and the 85 for old fashions yeah. at home, so... This is really good. It's nice, isn't it? I kind of wouldn't want to make this into a Manhattan. I just it, I like it as is. Yeah. No, and I mean that's what I say. This stuff is awesome, neat. I think I could see a splash of water and it open it up yeah, a little no bit. Doubt. Yeah, that's, that's what's the proof on that? Uh, One thirteen and a half. Wow, that does. Uh, it's it's got some spice, but it doesn't it, drink that hot. Mm-mm. No way. Yeah, no, it's really nice. And this is you know this is one of those that you know we launched. Uh, and we, we probably kicked it off right before the holidays, so maybe that was a bad mm-hmm. time. But we have inventory here in Atlanta, and there's you know some stores around that have it, and I got more that I could get out. And uh, once it's gone, it's does, gone, and we'll move into something does Steve else. Steve over at Hops, Green, and Vine carry this? Yes, he does. He's our the Hops, Green, and Vine, and then what's uh, Gem City? The guys down at Gem City, they a lot of people that come on the show end up buying stuff there, yeah. too, between those two stores. I have some stuff over there, too. But yeah, they're, they're pretty much the standard Clyde you can get almost anywhere. And then, you know, the limited edition stuff, it's just a matter of, you know, finding honey holes and places to to support yeah. the brand. So, But yeah, so like I said, the Clyde Maze thing, we're excited. There, There's a lot of uh, forward progress with the distillery coming. And we're, we're a brand that, you know, started out, we were a total wine and spirits direct at first. And, you know. Good thing, bad thing. You, you I don't never think know. that's a bad thing. It, it's a bad thing when they decide you they don't want want you in the store as much anymore because you're not direct. Yeah. So that's the thing about Total. It's it's great business. They're a great company. They they're fabulous, but they want to do their own thing as you know direct ship. So once we started going out to the general public, you know, the regular retail stores, then the you know we were you know not the interesting product that we were before. So we still, we still have business with total. We still do a lot of stuff with total. Um, I always tell people, Hey, you know, if you're near total, uh, you can find Clyde Mays at totals for sure. But, um, yeah, now we're spread out a lot bigger than just total. So for those who listen that aren't in Georgia, Georgia's got some jacked up, uh, you know, jacked up liquor laws here. We have, um, the three tier system, but they only allow, any one entity or person to have two licenses. So total wine, even though there's many stores in Georgia only sells liquor 
at two of their stores. Yeah, it's very confusing. And um, But Total Wine's got this weird model where they take the top so many SKUs, and they sell all of those at or below MSRP. And so what I find is is that the little local liquor stores hate them because they sell so cheap. But sometimes with, with Georgia, where a liquor store is able to mark their stuff up to whatever they want to, which some states you can't. Um, and I don't know if they can in Alabama or not. But anyhow, I th- sometimes I like Total Wine just because it gives me a really good idea what something's supposed to cost. You know, I, I'll use E.H. Taylor, for example, small batch. That's a $40, $45 bottle of bourbon. And I challenge you to find it for less than 100 in any liquor store around here. I will say, you know, the one thing uh, that you always, that you don't see the behind the scenes uh-huh. thing, but, you know, for, for a company like Total, or if you start getting into mm-hmm. Costco and all these, yeah. I mean, you're talking about big volume buys. So, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're getting a deal that, you know, is in the books. Anybody could get it, but you got to buy a lot of cases. And, you know, if they're not going to mark it up to, you know, a normal whatever, you know, 2025, 20, you know, markup, then... But I don't think the distributors here try to pull the bullshit with them where you got to buy 100 cases of of uh, Wheatley vodka handles before you can get a couple of bottles of uh, Elmer T. Lee or whatever. Yeah, see, I don't know about that end. And even if I it's, did, I probably wouldn't say Yeah, it it's, it's not, I mean, it's not legal. But at the same time, the way they do it, it's a loophole. And But it's it's really... The way the distributors have done it here in Georgia, it's driven the secondary market through the roof. And unfortunately, the secondary market now is the primary market because the liquor stores have to play these games and buy so many cases of shit they don't want that they're almost forced to play games with the prices on the hard-to-find bottles because they want to, you know, they want to be able to make some money. And um, it, it's it really it, it's. It's not cool. I mean, it's just, I've gotten to the point now, I don't hunt bourbon anymore around here because it's the game is not worth it. It's just the bottles are selling for stupid amounts of money. The hard-to-find stuff is sometimes selling for seven, eight, nine times what it, what retail is on it. Um, now, you guys don't have that. You don't play the all, you don't play the allocated game. It's not mostly Buffalo Trace stuff is what you have issues yeah. with. But um, you guys have won a lot of awards. I mean, yeah. a lot. Consistent. And, it, and it, consistent. yeah, it's been going yeah. on for a yeah. while. Very consistent. So we hope, you know, that'll continue. Like I said, we just won an award with this. We just won, um, we do, um, this is our McConnell's Irish whiskey. And I've had so, that. It's yeah. really good. And we just won um, uh, Wine Enthusiast Top 100 Spirits of 2023. So Does Butch carry that at O'Reilly's? Uh, yes. Does he? 100%. Yeah, he has both. We have a, this is the sherry cask version. And then we have a regular, uh, regular Irish whiskey. Too. You and I talked about this. First of all, so you and I met two weeks ago. You saw an ad that I had online for um, our bring your own bottle bourbon tasting. Yeah, that so. whiskey it was tasting. an ad for something, but well. yeah. <laughs> so um, it was. We had an event in uh, Kennesaw, and 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 you you came to the event with your son, and uh, yeah, it. it I get to, it's really cool because you get to try a lot of stuff you wouldn't have tried otherwise, and it's a great way to network, but. Um, yeah, so Thomas O'Reilly's is over in Sandy Springs, Georgia, and just a for real Irish pub. Yeah, it's a great uh, the spot. The f- food is fantastic. His, his Irish whiskey selection is 
and saying yeah, his spot on. He's probably got the best pints of Guinness in, in Metro Atlanta. And um, crazy thing is, is I sold that business to him. I sold I sold him that restaurant, and I've gotten to be friends with Butch. He just he gets it. He grew up in Savannah, and uh, in that whole Irish culture down there. So, um, but I think I've had that McConnell's over there. I think you, you said you had a Gibney's. Oh, that's exactly yeah, where it yeah. was. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. So for that's those sad. who, that Gibney's episode, we did a few episodes ago that uh, they unfortunately have closed their doors in, in uh, West Cobb. Yeah. Or, so. Go down and see his bar down on uh, International with the red door. So, yeah. Yeah, right that's across the, place right up the street yeah. from yeah from the red phone booth. That's awesome. Um, but so... This is from, you said that's from... Okay, so story Belfast. This so this one is uh, Belfast, okay? So this McConnell's is also a real brand. I mean, once again, it's not some, you know, we we're talking about actors and Hollywood yep. and made up stuff. So there was um, two brothers, John and James McConnell, back in the 70s, 1776. So born in 1776, those guys grow up, family business, uh... Their mom's running. They run a uh, uh, basically like a grocery store for the most part in um, in Belfast. And what she's doing is she has, uh, I guess, a neutral grain spirit, you know, neutral grain Irish whiskey, and she's adding, you know, botanicals and herbs or whatever to it, and she's selling it as a medicinal whiskey. So that was the origin of McConnell's whiskey. So like, you know, people talk about Belfast and oldest distilleries and Bushmill obviously being, you know, from uh-huh. this era and even older, these guys, they didn't have a distillery. They were, you know, selling it out of their grocery store. And it wasn't until the two sons got older that, you know, they opened a distillery. So this, this McConnell's was a monster brand all the way through the 1800s was the biggest export um, in Northern Ireland. And then in the early 1900s, they had a big fire. And then as we started getting towards prohibition, that was another problem, and they just couldn't keep the doors open. So they shut the doors, and uh, about four years ago, I want to say now, um, a group in Ireland who, you know, you know Irish history, history, Scottish history, uh, British, whenever you go to bars, you see these labels, and you see things because things last forever in Europe, you know? So people are like, what's the deal with this McConnell's? Where did this come from? Blah, blah, blah. So people started telling the story and then a group of investors decide, you know what? We need to revive, we need to revive this brand. So they put some money together. Uh, original label. That's the original label. They yes, just cleaned it up guy. a little bit. Yep. Uh, packaging is fabulous. And, uh, you know, tried to find recipes to, you know, get as close as possible mm-hmm. and uh, re, uh, brought back uh, McConnell's. And now McConnell's, uh, we just opened, uh, I, I want to say February, this month, next month, like it's about to open, if not already just opening, a new distillery in Belfast. So they'll actually have a distillery, uh, their own distillery. So we didn't have a distillery. It was kind of like the MGP story, but now we'll have our own distillery. It's already a done deal. So they're going to be at this, um, this it, it's an old jail called the uh, Crum- Crumlin Road uh, Prison, oh, prison in um, Northern Ireland. And it's a historic prison, I mean, kind of like uh, Alcatraz to us. And they have half that prison is open for tours. The other half is our distillery. So you oh, can look, go I have not tours. looked at this bottle. I've not read anything, yeah. but is that a sherry cask or a port cask finish? Sherry cask. Yeah. So it's five-year-old Irish whiskey, uh, sherry cask. So it's about another, um, probably about eight months in sherry. Oloroso sherry cask. Oh, man. I smelled it's that fabulous, right off the bat. Man. It's really good. 
I'm going to Ireland in August, but I'm not going to Northern Ireland. That's the thing. It's interesting. It says on the label that it's it's so old that it predates the introduction of the E into the the whiskey. That's really fascinating to me. Yeah, and so a lot of people put in the E now just because, you know, it's the Well, there's only one one American whiskey that doesn't put the E in it, and he was on the show earlier. He's a friend of yours. Oh, yeah, I know. Ryan Megan over at Maker's Mark, yeah. Yeah. They still do theirs without the E. And they've been around for, listen, Makers is, you know, standard bear. So everything oh, they do there is fabulous. So, nah, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool place. So you guys got your distillery getting ready to open up in Alabama. Yep. So it's a lot of money in distilleries uh, in this company right now. So yeah. yeah, we're excited about it. But the Alabama piece, um, right now we've already put up billboards, you know, all around Troy and, you know, outside of Troy. And I'm actually, I'll be on the, I'll be on a Zoom tomorrow pushing my idea of getting a couple of billboards around Columbus and LaGrange. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I do, we do, um, uh, single barrels, uh, Fort Moore, which is, uh, Benning. Fort Benning yeah. yeah. So they buy. Is that the new me. name? The yeah, new name? Yeah. It's actually, you know, where their PC stuff with all these changes. If you look into the Fort Moore thing, it's actually pretty cool. I mean, if you look, there was a movie with, uh, Mel Gibson, um, it was a Lieutenant Colonel Moore. I, anyway, you got to look it up, but it's, there, it's a great story. I mean, about Vietnam and about, you know, we were soldiers. Yes, we yeah. were soldiers. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where the name comes from. So there's actually a good story. I mean, it's, and it's from the guys at Fort Benning. So, so anyway, it, I like that. At least you, if you're going to change the name, have it, you know, it's have yeah. some meaning to it. So what's the proof on this Irish whiskey? Uh, you're looking at, um, 92. This is delicious. It's really, really good. Like, this is... Yeah, it's so good, man. This is, like, up there, like, red breast level. I mean, this is really good. The cool thing is, you know, with red breast, I love red breast. It's fantastic. But it's also, you know, your red breast sherry casks are aged a lot longer than this. So we're aging five years just straight out of the... You know, you only need three. That's all you need to age Kristen, to be an Irish whiskey. Get you a sip of this. So I think doing, you'd like it. Oops. There's another glass under there. If you want to get that one, or there's a glass over here. So we're doing five as a standard here, so you got it. I'm going to let you pour, so. Uh. It's not fair that Kristen's just sitting over here not drinking. She's behaving, yeah, though. You were talking a big game over here. I was just thinking, <laughs> you know what? Uh, after the episode, maybe I'll try the favorite, but this has got to be it. You're saying Oh, this Irish whiskey's fantastic. No, I've had several whiskeys. Is I really liked that Alabama finish, and then the bottle you brought to that event two weeks ago is yeah, the one real. Yeah, it's kind of a higher proof. It's really good. But this, I, I'm McConnell's. That's I do remember liking that when John it's had so it. Good. So it's so good. And you know, it's one of those things like you know, getting back to the business a little bit. Like for what I do, I mean, if you work for a distributor, you're constantly in accounts day in and day out. You have your your customers. You're always showing them stuff. For me, quite honestly. I do a lot of distributor contact. That's my main thing is you set up programs and I'm monitoring sales and that kind of stuff. So, you know, the fun stuff, right? But um, it's nice for me to be able to walk into an account that I hadn't been in a while and sit down and taste. And that was the same thing like with Butch and with John. When we first, you know, when I first picked up the brand, I tasted it. I'm like, man, you guys, I mean, I would have probably kick butchers you know what if he didn't bring it in but i knew when when i showed up there on saint patty's day and uh he still had uh this bottle and my other bottle you know up in the front on saint patty's when he told me that it probably wasn't going to be there uh-huh. it was still there i was like okay cool so now 
I, I kind of owe him really, you know, so, so whatever So let me needs. tell you what that asshole did to me. <laughs> so when he bought, um, Thomas O'Reilly's used to be uh, a Meehan's location. And I do a lot of business with the folks from 101 Concepts, which is Meehan's. It's 101 Steak, yeah. 101 Food. Great guys. Just the best in the restaurant because they're really good at what they do. And um, so I sold this restaurant for him and Butch buys it. And at the, at the closing, I gave them both. I generally try to give some sort of bottle of liquor as a thank you to the, to the clients. And I gave them both a bottle of Writer's Tears Double Oak. Writer's Tears are great. Just really good. That's a really good Irish yeah, whiskey, good. man. And the, the double oaked is especially good. And so I go to see Butch. I don't know. He's been open a couple months. And uh, I'm looking at his list. And I said, you know what, man? I'm going to buy some Writer's Tears. And I buy, <laughs> buy a glass of Writer's Tears. And I pay him like $18 for this glass of whiskey. And then he laughs. because you like it? And I'm like, hey, it goes good. It's the bottle you gave me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you asshole. That's great. Oh, that's fabulous. But no, so, he is spot on with everything he does over there. Oh, the food no is. Yeah. The, I, I look, okay, first of all, if you've ever been to Ireland, nobody eats corned beef in Ireland. I didn't see it on any menu, whatever. But um, it was more of a New York Irish thing. But his corned beef. I've never had a restaurant corned beef that good ever. It's very good. We we drive, and I mean that's a haul from where from where I live. It's about a um, a forty mile drive over there, and that's where we go to drive if we get in the mood for corned beef. If we're not going to make it ourselves, we drive over there, and it's that good. It's, it's really good. I will say, uh, McCracken's on the square. Um, Gary's corned beef is pretty. Yeah, well, too. then you got to deal with Gary though. Yeah, so I'll just leave I, it I like that. Gary. Yeah, well, he's fun. I've known Gary a long yeah, time. He's fun. <laughs> But no, his, he does a good job with his corned beef too. Yeah, no, his food his food's good there. He so. um his barbecue stuff there is good too. The he smokes everything himself. But uh, yeah. yeah, just had to check that box. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do some good business with Gary too. So. Gary's got a pretty good whiskey selection, yeah, and it's, it's not it's not horribly overpriced either. No, no, he nothing's overpriced there. I was gonna say that's yeah, like he, the cheapest meal you yes, can get on squares. Cheapest meal. I mean, cheapest drinks. I mean, everything. You could ask for in a, a night out with not having to, you know, burn the bank. So yeah, yeah. it's fabulous. Yeah, that's yeah. it's it's. I've been going there a long time. Yeah, <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but um, what was I talking about? I don't. I don't, I don't know. know. We were talking about I think whiskey. We we're talking about whiskey. Oh, <laughs> oh, I forgot. So we've had a little bit of the, the nine-year rye. We've had a little bit of the Alabama style. We've had some of the Irish. What else is hiding back here? You had yeah, a ninety, like a to-go cellar uh, over there. Straight bourbon. Straight bourbon. You know what's funny is you'd think I'm moving around too much with the mic here. Sorry about that. It's all right. But you'd think that you know the the Alabama style would be just you know this is the main thing, but everybody still if you don't see the bourbon on there, the straight bourbon. It you lose track of you know I'll, I'll tell you what you really lose track. What screws me a lot of times is people put this instead of lining it up with the other Clyde Mays. I'll go into a store and it'll be like with the Canadian whiskeys. Yeah, and I'm just like ugh, you know it's Alabama's the it, farthest thing from Canada. It says whiskey, <laughs> but you know it's part of the Clyde Mays portfolio. Could we just line it all up? So anyway, that's uh, so there's the straight. Like I said, this is our proprietary 
uh, mash bill. So it's another product. Just fantastic, man. We won a bunch of awards. I was going to say, this one's been winning awards ever since it came out. Yeah. So this, the original two are the 85, the Alabama style, and the straight bourbon. I mean, that's the first two we put out. So I'm going to give you the bottle. Or else I'm going to spill it. Too much arm movement over here from me. Got a lot of bottles that are able to spill over here. You're a good guest host. I know. That's great, isn't it? Well, maybe I should not be a guest host anymore. Uh-oh. And I should be the host host. Oh, he's making a run for Melissa's job. <laughs> well, if she was here, she could defend herself. <laughs> but I guess if she was here, I wouldn't be here. So yeah, This is true. We'll make you the permanent guest host. When she can't do it, you can come in. <laughs> if you'd known there was so much whiskey involved. Oh, I, I knew. I was going to say, this guy, when we did his at his old studio, he had like the, the whole bar, and oh my God, there's more whiskey coming out. <laughs> Can't help my. It's like, the, if you look at the bag, you think it's very small. Well, it's like a magician's uh, hat. It has six <laughs> compartments, and there are seven bottles of wine or seven it's, bottles of whiskey up there. I don't know so. how I do it. Yeah, it's, it's like a clown car at a circus. It's coming out of my back. <laughs> Or, or this is horrible. So I, what was that? Uh, what was that? That TV show you're gonna about all the kids? About all the kids? What uh, the Brady Bunch? No, 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 no. The Partridge Family? No, the Eleven and Counting or whatever it was. Johnny Kate plus eight. Yeah, that. Uh, no, that was it. What was the one with the more <laughs> the Mormons? That, that oh, sounded like that. Oh, the Doogers. I'm like, lady, uh, it's a it's a vagina, not a clown car. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. God. There was a, there was a, uh, you know, a there was a long road yeah, yeah. to that. So. Okay, <laughs> a lot of roundabouts. <laughs> All right. So, um, I was going to say too, you know, the, the the other aspect of you know working, which I don't work for a distributor anymore, but the other thing, getting back to the business of it a little bit, because we were talking about total and all that. The other aspect is, you know, I'm working with distributors. I mean, you know, RNDC, great distributor. Think about, um, this is my one, I'm one portfolio and I have just this plus a tequila plus all this vodka. Think about multiply me by God knows what, 80, 90, you know, other suppliers and some small, some big. And then of course you have the real big boys that, you know, they're, they got the, the whip out for the most part. You're selling their stuff, whether you like it or not. And uh, it's really tough to get time and attention. So that's probably where we are in this business right now. The stuff you see on the shelves, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff, it's not that it's, you know, so loved. It's that we were talking about the Wheatley thing. It's there's a relationship there. You know, something has to go in for something else to be to, mm-hmm. to come in on the specialty side. There's a lot of a lot of different avenues that, you know, make it really, really tough to get your brand out there. So I feel sorry for people that don't have the money and the backing to do this, just have an idea, you know, it's a lot of time and effort to really put into it. And you got to be at the right place at the right time, just like in any other business, you know, but this is really, you got to have a story too. And you guys have a story, but back to this bourbon, what started it all, right? Okay. Yeah. This is a no bullshit, just nothing fancy, nothing, you know, there's no super finish to it or anything like that. This is just some legit yep. bourbon. I mean, I would this, put this in a Manhattan. Yeah, it's perfect for that. I would exactly. put this in my belly. I mean, this is just good bourbon. Now, this is what ninety proof. Uh, ninety two. Perfect. 
I mean, this is a daily drinker. Not that you should be drinking every day. But you could. But you could. Yeah. Come on. This this needs to be in your cabinet. And what's that bottle retail at? Uh, you're looking at about, uh, in Georgia, about a forty one ninety nine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I say about. This, exactly is, this is as good of a, just a regular bourbon as you're going to find. I will say the one cool thing from, you know, doing tastings in stores and walking around retail stores, mm-hmm. back to the, the, the problem, everybody who walks into stores walking down the aisle, like they're going to find, you know, Wellers or they're only looking for like five or six different things as they walk through the store and they all tell me the same story. And I'm just like, man, there's a hundred different bourbons and whiskeys here and you're coming in you're driving around the whole country looking for you know five bottles of something the one guy told me one thing which you know made a lot of sense one of the guys i talked to a while back he's like listen man he goes i have a certain amount of money to spend i'm looking for and listen it might just be woodford i'm coming in here to buy woodford reserve but i always buy something else i'm always trying something new with my second bottle and i'm like you know what that's all anybody could really ask yep you know buy what you like that's great but if you're, you know, actually going to buy bourbons or whiskeys or whatever it is, whatever spirit item, the idea that he's going in to try something different every time he goes into the store, those are the people I need. Well, I really challenge people that are into collecting bourbon and really out there hunting the bourbon is get a, get away for a while from all the shit that everybody's saying you got to have, all the allocated stuff, all the expensive stuff, the hard-to-find stuff, and put a $50 cap on your purchase. Yeah. And see what you can drink for under 50 bucks because there's a lot of good bourbon out there for under 50 bucks. Hell, if you're in Kentucky, you could pick up a bottle of very old Barton 100 for less than $13, and I'd put it up against a lot of bourbons that are $40 any other place. That bourbon right there, just your regular bourbon, is... Man, I mean... Oh, they do have the red bottle there. Yeah, the red bottle's really good. Oh, would you look at that? I, I can't... I'm just sitting in the back of the pile. If you're not watching this podcast and you're only listening, there are seven bottles absurd. of whiskey right now on, on, this, on his little side table. And um, I got a feeling we're going to drink... A yeah, little bit of he's, every one. He's definitely probably testing the weight. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, well, to balance that, it. Yeah. But, yeah, but I do. I challenge people... To, to drink the bourbons that aren't as expensive, drink the bourbons that look at look at some of the awards, look at some of the medals, look at some of the some of the scores, because some of the scores are bullshit, but a lot of them aren't. Okay, Kelly that we had on in the last episode, she had one that was rated ninety five by somebody. Now I don't know who rated it ninety five, but ninety five is enough to get my attention, right? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. That's better. And and I know that that one won awards from the very beginning, from when you guys first started bottling. Yeah. That one's been winning awards early on. And my first thought when I saw that ages ago was like, Clyde May. You know, I Alabama. mean. Alabama. Alabama. What do they know about bourbon? That shit's good. I will say that, you know, getting full circle back to the MGP thing. Yeah. It's consistent. You know. They're, they're good at what they do. Yep. You know what you're going to get. So it's like going to Houston's or something. You know, you get a mm-hmm. whatever your item is at Houston's. You go two years later, it's spot yeah. on again. The, know, off, so. the off menu chicken fingers. <laughs> you know what I'm uh, talking yeah, about. Uh, I don't know. What it is. <laughs> I, I used to love Houston's. So. That's that's yeah, a great restaurant. Not great. many of them left. No, no, sad. There's yeah. one in Columbus. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, there's still one at Paces Ferry, and uh, uh, does Buckhead still open? 
I think so. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, one yeah, on Pace's so. Ferry is packed yeah, all the all time. All the time, yeah. Afternoon, and dinner, everything. Yeah. So, yeah it's but crazy. it's still, it's a great place. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, all right. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this one, and then um, we can talk after that. But So, Conecuh Ridge. This, so, what this was supposed to be is our first bottling at the distillery. Okay, so we did the glass. We had everything ready to go, labels and all. And, uh, you know, you're trying to open up a distillery. There's things that happen. It doesn't go smoothly. So time went by, time went by, time went. We were hoping on being open like last September, you know. So finally, we were like, you know what? We're about getting into the holidays. We need to bottle something in this. And um, what we decided to do was it's an ode to the distillery. So the distillery will be called the Conecuh Ridge Distillery, okay? The original name at the very, very, very beginning, and this is coming from Elsie May. So Clyde May's grandson is kind of the face of the company, our brand ambassador in Alabama. So there's still Mays within the company. And Elsie's about the hardest working guy you'll ever meet in your whole life. And we were talking the other day, and he's like, yeah, the original name was Clyde May's Conecuh Ridge Distillery. So we're kind of, you know, using the Conecuh Ridge, which is where they're going to be right outside of Troy. And this is going to be, this was supposed to be our first bottling. So now what we'll do with this bottle is this will be like a series. So this USA, which is on the side, we'll say Alabama on the next bottling. And at the very least, it'll be bottled at our facility in Alabama. So that'll be kind of where we're going with this. But what we did with the juice was, so this is a five-year, 100-proof um bottle mash bill is exactly the same as the alabama style without the alabama style and also the same as just pulled out another <laughs> bottle out of this bottleless bag over here the same as our barrel selection please Kristen, if you get a chance get a picture of all this, this mess know, that's amazing, going on right, right? now I'm, I'm houdini i'm telling you fucking so mary we, poppins over here we do a single barrel also so our single barrel is the same mash bill the same age only this is 105 this is 100 so we had with this mash with this um single barrel last year we overproduced so we had a lot of juice left over, and here's where it goes. So this is probably a hidden gem that's, you know, for the most part, a limited edition because it'll be something different next yeah. time. But this is what we're, what I'm trying to move right now out in the marketplace. So it's our Conecuh Ridge, you know, bottling. So I don't believe you. That's a really beautiful uh, label, too. It's a nice package. We're, yeah. we're excited about it. I'm going to hand you the bottle, yeah. too. All right. Getting there. It's only been twelve bottles. Come on. Oh my God. All in a six bottle uh, bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. I'm gonna have to go eat somewhere before I drive home. Well, before I Uber home because I would never drive. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually surprised I don't have more in there. <laughs> There's probably some out in his trunk. There's some minis and stuff though. I do have that. So. I always have something. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, but no, it's a, and like I said, I didn't even bring the. I, oh, you guys man. would really be in trouble if I brought the tequila. And oh, the, can I see that bottle? Yeah. Man, the nose on that's good too. Yeah. yeah, I think this is fabulous too. It's got that just that subtle sweetness to it. So all our all our whiskeys are number four char. So I, I, you know, coming from another, I came from the wine side. So until I started really like looking into the charring thing. The number four char, I think, is really solid because it gives us that vanilla, all that vanilla and kind of that caramel and a little bit of thickness you need in the Clyde Mays whiskeys. But this one is so good. I know. 
Kristen just goes spicy. <laughs> Yeah, that's wow, I've not had a bad sip yet of anything. No, no, this is incredible. This is bad. <laughs> He's yeah. like, this is incredible. No, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Right now is my favorite. I actually finished one bottle. I had this half bottle and actually went up to. Uh, uh, so I got a guy um, up in Ackworth, like towards Brookstone, um, vintage. You know, yeah, vintage. Yeah, Jay. He's great, man. He's got all my stuff in there. When I was working for Shaw Ross, he was bringing in um, a lot of my stuff that I had on the Scotch side. I sold a lot of single malts, hmm. and he had all my uh, Ian McLeod stuff in there, which was Glen Goyne and Tamdu and that stuff, buying the high end stuff. And yeah, he's he's a great guy too. He's fabulous. So, but he's got he's got about five cases of that stacked. So oh wow, four and change now. What's so. retail on that? Uh, usually about forty nine ninety nine. We're trying to keep wow. it right under fifty. Yeah, yeah. So. That's is that the logo that's going to be on the distillery? Is that like yes. the yeah? Yep, that's yeah. Yeah, the distillery. Logo. Nice, great, yep. it's great branding. Yep, yeah, we're excited about it. I think you know everybody's got you know problems and questions and well, why doesn't it say you know we don't know it's Clyde Mays because it says Connecticut Ridge. We're like, well, you know, we're trying to we're a marketing company too, so we're trying different things, obviously. So, you know, the idea that, oh, why isn't this next to all the other Clyde Mays on the shelf? Because it doesn't say Clyde Mays, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so there's little things that we're, you know, trying to play with and fix. And we just need to get the distillery open. Once it opens and we could start getting people down there to see, you know, see, hear, feel. You yeah, know, everything's touch. a conversation. Yeah, no you doubt. Guys, uh, you guys going to run pot stills? Yeah. Uh, well, I think you're asking me questions. I don't I'm not 100% sure. I think we're going to do column distilling. Um I'm not really sure of, you know, whether we're going to run copper pot stills or how it's going to all pan out, quite honestly, in the end. You know yeah. what I mean? So to start off, I know we're going to do um, uh, we're going to do column distilling. And I'm not sure, like, I know Rick House is going to be built. We have a lot of stuff that's, you know, coming. Ooh, but a Rick House in Alabama. It's going to be interesting. In southern Alabama. It'll be interesting, yeah. You guys are damn near North Florida. Yeah. Two hours and change. Yeah, we're right near Troy University. Yeah. So. I'm in a Rick House in South Alabama. Yeah. I'm sorry, L.A. Yeah, lower. LA. Lower Alabama. Yeah. That's all. It's in the plants, you know. That's uh, the, the heat in the summertime is going to really make things interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it, you know, obviously there's air conditioned facilities and we'll, you know. Sure. But I mean, part, you know, part of the excitement of Rick House is the chain. I mean, that's how it comes in and out of the barrel. Yep. Yeah. And, try to tell the people that are working there that. Oh, it's part of the excitement. It's you know you're sweating. Oh, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's hey, part look. of it. You're you're enjoy it. I will. That's all you can drink. <laughs> I will say initially though, it'll it'll be great to have. And you know, there's other distilleries in Alabama doing things, and you know, in small production. It'll be interesting to see how things, like you said, you know, over the years, how everything changes because of uh, the environment. You guys are going to get into all the like little side items too. You know the. The barbecue sauces. And you do an Alabama white, white sauce. Oh, that'd oh be great, my God. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Have you ever had Alabama white sauce? I don't know that I have. It's the best. It's yeah. for poultry. It's fantastic, yeah. man. You if you don't it. like mayonnaise, you're out, yeah. right? It's but it's a, a it's a, based, yeah. it's a mayonnaise-based barbecue sauce for smoked chicken and turkey, and it is amazing. I mean, it sounds disgusting and delicious at the same time like you ever been to Jim and Nick's? I was going to say yeah. that's the place yeah. to try it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Jim and Nick's are smoked turkey is best the smoked and, wings are incredible too yeah. white sauce on the smoked wings it's, okay it's yeah fine. it's it's, it's worth good. trying yeah okay no doubt all right, all right, all right. unless you're a vegetarian yeah 
Even then, it's worth trying. It's just getting. They'll be buying. Uh, you'll once you try it, you'll be like at Publix or Kroger. Like, where's the white sauce, <laughs> sir? Excuse me, sir. excuse me. Can I have your white sauce, please? That's exactly yeah. what will happen. Trust yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. They're like, sir, you have to leave. I'm sorry. <laughs> be careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too. <laughs> oh my god, man, that's a lot of whiskey. I try, you know. I, I, wait, but I mean, there's some that we haven't tried. We even had them all that are over there. The 110 we haven't. You had the red bottle a couple weeks ago. We didn't try the 95 rye. The we, red we bottle. We were talking I've about had. the rye, but I didn't pour it. I yeah, guess. yeah. You were like, Let's it's talk so about this good. rye, but how about this rye? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I oversold. <laughs> ah, damn it. Yeah, you're yeah. like, this is a good entry rye. We're gonna yeah. skip that and go to this other one. <laughs> yeah. I was going too quickly. <laughs> that's all right. Wow. No, it. Everything's been. Everything's been fantastic, delicious. man. Yeah. Melissa, when you listen to this podcast, just know. I thought you forgot my name. And you the, yeah, you're, going on you're, you're really going to wish you would have done this one. I was going to bring my tequila, too, because I was thinking about her. And then I was like, well, I can't. The tequila bottles are too big to fit in the bag. I can't fit it in my clown car of a bag yeah, that was, I brought. Yeah, it was too much. It was yeah. too much. I think what we're going to do is eventually do a uh, whiskey after work tasting. And we may do one with everything but bourbon. And have him do his scotch, or I mean his Irish. That'd be great. His vodka and his uh, and his tequila. You should have a bar set up in here. It's coming. Um, like I said, we just we've only done one episode before this in here. We hadn't gotten the wolves up yet. This the when we started doing our podcast, we were doing it at uh, Low T Nation's first location down off the square, and they were letting us use the room where they did their videos. And these were in the background where they subleased out both levels of their old office to Hampton Harry's restaurant and moved. And when they did, I called and asked if I could have the wolves if they weren't going to use them. And so um, we had to move and find a place. So we were, we were like mobile for a while. We did an episode at his uh, studio, did an episode at Gimme's. We did two at the winery. Yeah. That's beautiful. That was really, Oh, that place is great. And, and you know, find out I'm doing some consulting work with them and, our box is coming tomorrow. We're launching their fruit wines into local liquor stores and restaurants um, in the next week. So, um, but yeah, so we kind of, we've got our own studio now and we've got to get a few things in here yet. I got a refrigerator, small refrigerator coming in here and we're going to do a cabinet with a bar and do like yeah, a fold out bar. And you should do some really nice, uh, like some lights. Well, you know, if only I had somebody who, could help me with that. I mean, somebody that works for whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> this this guy's all about video, photography, nice. lighting, sound. He's he's way more creative than any of my other friends. So, got to have some creative people around you for sure. Yeah, it's key. But we're getting there. This feels like home, doesn't it? Yeah, it's nice. So it's a nice little studio, and uh, we'll get there. It's a small room, but it's it's doing what we needed to do. And uh, so, look, I, I like to wrap these things up with uh and you may look at me and say i don't do anything but i like to talk a little bit about um charities or or community things that you might be involved in and uh you know you're you live in paulding or uh so i live in cobb but i'm right on the paulding line you ever run lost mountain yeah exactly exactly over there so you're really close to me we need to drink more often we can very easily well (laughs) we got to find a new place that uh gibney's is gone so that would have been the spot Uh, it's not going to be bench warmers and uh i'm not going there either no or what not bench warmers walk-ons whatever they bring in my stuff it's gonna be the greatest place ever. yeah right now (laughs) (laughs) i don't go there so 
But no, um, yeah, as far as charities go, my wife's crazy. I mean, she's, you know. Aren't they all? Yeah. She'll, she gives to everybody. Um, we started, we started out, um, um, I'm trying to think of like, uh, with, so my, my grandmother passed away cancer, which, you know, the saddest thing is, you know, that's the one, the one disease can be treated, but it, it always seems to come back. So we were doing a lot of cancer stuff early on, my wife and I. Um, her sister's cancer survivor. Mm. So we spend a lot of time, you know, uh, with cancer charities. Um, <laughs> the other one on a different note is what we kind of started out at. My dad, you know, had cerebral palsy and he had cerebral palsy growing up from when he was born. And, uh, he was, he was born in New York, Brooklyn kid. And, mm. uh, he had cerebral palsy on, uh, one side of his body. So you'd notice it was noticeable, but it wasn't to the extreme that he couldn't do things. So, I mean, he did everything a kid could do. He was, he was the original, I don't know if you know who Jim Abbott is, pitcher mm-hmm. was, you know, had to take his mid off and throw. So mm-hmm. my dad was Jim Abbott before Jim Abbott. He didn't, he had a hand obviously, but he couldn't throw. He's left-handed, but he couldn't throw left-handed. So it was flipping his mid around and all that. So he played high school baseball. Obviously, he wasn't a starter, but he was on the team. And, you know, you figure a kid in New York in the 50s, you know, he was competing. And, uh, yeah, he never wanted anybody to give him any special, anything special because he had cerebral palsy. Fought all his way, uh, you know, through growing up and um, started getting into basketball refereeing um, in the early 60s. And he was actually one of the top, I want to say top four graduates of uh the the nba referee school at the time so it's a draft they do a regular draft too to you know draft you into the nba and at the time um tv was just starting out you know so he was actually passed up during that time because they didn't feel that the way he moved would look good on tv Mm. so he was done being an nba referee and you know did some college and high school but did baseball at the time too so he continued doing baseball but you know as much as he'll always say that you know that never affected him that he just went on with his life i never believed him i think that's something that hits very very hard and my son and i had talked about the fact that you know fast forward to 50 years later, he would have been, you know, ESPN. I mean, it would have right. been yeah. the most incredible story, you know? So it's all about timing sometimes, and yeah. it was bad timing. But he, the story that he told me, you know, he used to do stuff for uh, Jerry Lewis Telethon, and every time he'd tell me, I hate Jerry Lewis. I hate that guy. <laughs> he's just so mean. He's mean to everybody, and everybody who answers the phones. And yeah, he stopped doing it after a while. He goes, I, I feel so bad that I can't do it, but I just can't deal with this guy, you know? <laughs> so, and then I started talking to more people about Jerry Lewis. Not to bad mouth Jerry Lewis. I don't, I don't know him. Oh, the French love <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> but everybody hated the guy. I mean, literally, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So anyway, that was, that was always his thing. He goes, I, I'm not going to do anything with cerebral palsy anymore just because of Jerry Lewis, you know? So, but um, yeah, as far as charities go, I'm all about, I do a lot of cycling. So a lot of the, the bike rides are all charity rides. MS. I'm always involved. Yeah, yeah, MS rides. I'll donate. I donate product for you know a lot yeah. of the. I rode in a few stuff. of the uh, MS rides. Don't Lagrange and that. Yeah, yeah. No, there there's a lot of good rides, and they're once again most of them are charity rides. So, but that's a lot of fun. So well, good deal. Yeah. Well, look, if uh, people want to learn more about this really ridiculously good lineup of. Hard liquor. Yeah. That you fits can, in a s- small bag. I yeah. Exactly. I mean, exactly. It's, it's nuts. Well, there's two ways to look. You can go online and look at, uh, you know, ClydeMays.com or our whole portfolio is on uh, 
www.connecabrands.com. I don't know who told you you don't have a voice for radio, but you have it. Yeah, I, say, I got a face for radio. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, fun while it lasted. It was, it was a good time for that two years I was doing yeah. it. So. <laughs> well, if uh, anybody has any questions that they want to get answered about this, you can send us an email at whiskeyafterworkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have any ideas for future episodes, any ideas for guests, same. Uh, please share, 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 share this podcast. Um, we would really want to grow it. Um, it's too much fun. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a guest and come on here and bring some bourbon or tequila or and if you want Scotch. me to be the permanent co-host, then you should also put that in the comments. Yes. <laughs> if Melissa puts it in the comments, it's over, man. Nice. <laughs> um, follow us uh, on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page. We will be doing more in-person events around Metro Atlanta. Uh, come on, help us grow. Maybe we'll come to your city and do it, too, if you're not in Atlanta. Um, other than that, I wanted to thank you for being on. That was fun. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to sober up. <laughs> this is awesome. Delicious, every single one. And uh, Justin, I can't thank you enough. You're going to be the permanent guest host. Uh, congrats, congrats. Yeah, and uh, cheers, and we'll see you next episode. Definitely, thank cool. you. Thank you.